Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. By the way, Cam, did we get a winner for the this hour's copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football? Congrats to our third winner on the show, Cindy Bartek, for nice. winning a free copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We'll give away another one in hour number two. All right, so like I said, I wanted to do a Longhorn, kind of. A, we'll call this a Longhorn Summer FAQ. I did a, I participated in what's going to be, and it might be up, uh, it might be up, you might be able to get that at Horns 24-7 right now, I don't know, or it might be out this week at some point. But at any rate, uh, Kevin Flaherty, my colleague at 24-7 Sports, and by the way, get over to Horns 24-7 anyway, and get all of the recruiting coverage from the weekend. I love our recruiting team, Hudson Standish, Jordan Scruggs, Hank South. They did a phenomenal job covering the two official visit weekends. A lot of really good information, so get over to the site and check it out. We've also got, if you're not a member, you want to get some of that recruiting content, we've got an offer that I don't think you can refuse if you're not a Horns 24-7 subscriber. So get over to the site and check it out. Uh, at any rate, I digress. Uh, I participated in a, a Q&A with my man Kevin Flaherty. Uh, Kevin's, Kevin covers uh, national college football and basketball at 24-7 Sports. And just asked me some Texas questions. Then, as I was answering them before I headed to the airport to start my vacation, I thought, "Man, I haven't asked these questions a lot." And I, if, if you missed the first segment of the show, I compared it with Cam. I said, "You know, this is kind of like when you you show up for first day of math class in middle school or high school, and the teacher says, you know, I'm going to give you a quiz. It's not for a grade. I just kind of want to see where you're at, just see what you've retained, where the baseline is. So, in an effort to get." Uh, kind of refocused on Texas football coming off vacation. I'm going to have Cam just read these questions, and your feedback is welcome on the Specs text line, 337-3776. Cam, you have the questions, correct? Yeah, you ready to go? I'm, I'm, I'm ready, ready to rock and roll. All right, so the first question is actually a two-part question. Love, love the two-parters. Sark loves when I ask the two-parters. I say that in jest. I think he's annoyed by them. But I think uh, every coach and player loves them. You think Sarcastically, so? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just really dig it. Sark, so question one. I have gotten the answer from Sark, by the way. When uh, when I've asked Sark a question, he'll just look at me and goes, that's a lot, man. Yeah. So I, ha- I have a tendency to do that. They'll, they'll throw shade by, um, by they'll say that, and they'll answer the first question, and they'll be like, what, what was the second question again? Sorry. Yeah. It, was, it was a long question. What was that again? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Sark. I know you're not listening, but somebody relay that to the head ball coach. I'm, I apologize for my long-winded multi-part questions. But anyway, Cam, go ahead. What are the expectations for Texas football in its final Big 12 season, and what would be considered a success, and what would be considered a failure? I think anything short of making the Big 12 championship game would be not living up to expectations. That's where I've got the bar set. And you can... If as I've said, if you want to go as far as to say it's Big Twelve Championship or bust, I don't really have a problem with that. But if Texas does what TCU did last year, and I'm I know I'm splitting hairs here. If Texas has a TCU like season where they go through the regular season undefeated and losing a Big Twelve Championship game, can you call that a failure? Like, well, they didn't win a conference championship, but a tw- I think 
Unless something weird happens, Cam, but 12-1 Texas is in the playoff, yes? I don't, well, I don't think there's any question about that. You would think so. Well, so we'd have to see what the rest of the what the rest of college football looks like, but I because uh... that one loss, you you're going to say what Bama or Oklahoma, but twelve and one means you're the Big Twelve champion. I believe that gets you in as uh, as one of the top four. Yeah, for sure. So I'll say anything less than making it to Arlington, playing for a Big Twelve championship, is is a disappointment. If you, may, if you make it there, you're. I think you're at least like I don't know. Let's see. It's like a break-even point. It's like okay, you you met expectations. Now can you exceed them? Go win a Big Twelve championship and then get in the playoff. So considering all the the good positive stuff we've heard about Quinn Ewers, I think the last couple of months and it's been heating up. Um, there was some some scouts talking about how how Ewers says his arm movement looks looks a little bit better. He's taking everything more seriously. We, we've heard him talk about it in his you know press conferences. This is going to be a huge year for Quinn, Ewer, Quinn Ewers. And if he plays the way that I think he's going to play, that he's going to step up right. He's gotten over that that freshman hump. He's realized I need to take the game a little bit more seriously, put more put more work in. He's practicing harder. He looks good. The offense will be healthy. It should be a really big year, I think, for Ewers in Texas. Yeah, uh, and there's a question coming up about Quinn Ewers, too. I, I, I was thinking about this about Quinn, too. I was watching some Dylan Rayola film. Over the weekend, like just catching up on some Elite 11 stuff. And by the way, we'll talk about uh, Elite 11 a little bit in our uh, our flex segment coming up next hour. But I uh, I was watching some Dylan Rayola film, and I'm like, man, and just watching the quarterbacks, I'm like, you know, we 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 killed Quinn for his footwork last year. We're mm-hmm. highly critical of it, and rightfully so. Like there were there were stuff that you know just didn't look right, didn't look good, and you don't need to be a quarterback evaluator to say, dude, that didn't that didn't look right. But, man, there's a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of really talented quarterbacks that have just god-awful mechanics coming out of high school. And I don't know if it's like the Patrick Mahomes influence or what, but it's it's just – I don't know if it's tempo offenses, if it's the RPO, and just if you look at how college practices are run, how quarterbacks are being – taught to not even grip the laces when you're getting the ball out it's all about getting the ball out quick, quick, wow. quick be fast yeah uh it, it, it's i don't know it's just kind of made me go huh okay maybe we were a little too harsh on quinn it was right to criticize him maybe we we're a little too harsh but i also think cam and i said this on on the longhorn blitz uh we had a, a couple we've had a couple of quinn ewers episodes this off season and i just felt like when you go back to uh his sophomore year at Southlake and you just look at the injuries he's had and how he's had to adjust to those injuries, the sports hernia chief among them and how it had to, it really, if you look at him throwing as a sophomore to him throwing as a junior, looks just like a totally different guy. The the development time he missed during COVID on top of the sports hernia issue, it just looks like he, to, to compensate, he overcompensated and got himself into some really bad mechanics. So I'm just wondering Dude, does a healthy Quinn Ewers with a full offseason of understanding Sark's offense and really having himself grounded in this program and grounded in this offense, how much better does just that make Quinn Ewers? Like, forget the yeah. work he's putting in and how serious he's taking it. Just from a – just the conditions he's working with are, are seem more conducive to him getting better. And apparently he's bulked up to 210 pounds. He, he got his hair cut. I think that was a big factor for a lot of Texas fans who didn't like the mullet. I mean, it just seems all around, you know, kind of came in. 
you know, he he was the man in high school, right? That junior year at South Lake Carroll, he was the number one quarterback. He got his Texas commitment in. Then he went to Ohio State. Maybe went in a little bit cocky, right? Maybe thought, you know, I don't have to worry about my footwork as much. I can rely on my talent. And I think he got to Texas, thought that, and it didn't, didn't work out. We saw the second half. I mean, he played great in the Alabama game, but when he came back from the injury, he struggled, right? A lot of it was maybe against the, you know, the, the defenses he went up against, Oklahoma State, TCU, Iowa State. You know, they, they got in his head, right? The flyover defense, the three three five. They got in his head. He did he had some awful second halves in that in that that season. And I think finally, you know, in between the last game and the Colorado game, I thought he played really well in Colorado against Colorado or not Colorado, excuse me, at Washington. Yeah. In the Alamo Bowl. He just there was a couple of big time drops, right? Big time drops from the offense just couldn't get it going against the front line. Oh my gosh, the one worthy drop where he's running, he's yeah, that one's going to be replaying in my mind for a while. But I, I think that was kind of the beginning for Ewers to really, you know, put more into his regiment, his training, his, his practice. And it seems like throughout the spring, you know, you've heard it from Sark, from everyone on the staff, even from players on the rosters. He's taking this a lot more seriously, and I think that's huge because he's still he's a young kid, and going in the last year, he missed what two full years of football because he didn't play his senior year and he didn't play his freshman year at Ohio State. Yeah, it's uh, – it, I'm kind of looking at some stuff on the Specs text line and, you know, one – and I don't want to single out texters, but should we be concerned that Malik looks sharper than Quinn in the orange-white game? No. No. Because we've seen Quinn Ewers on the field have success at this level. We haven't seen Malik Murphy do anything. Also, look at you know who was on the defense when Malik was a quarterback. Too. Man, if there's one, I look. I know this much about quarterbacks. I know nobody really knows what they're doing. Like even Bill Walsh, you know, the greatest quarterback minds this sport has ever seen, they've still screwed it up, right? They still gotten it wrong. But I know enough to know that you don't know for sure what you've got at quarterback. You don't know what you've got at that position until two things happen. One. He's actually on the field under the lights when, and I hate this phrase, I hate this expression, but when the bullets are live and there's 11 guys on the other side of the ball trying to make his life a living hell, how does he react to that? You don't know. And then we've seen Texas quarterbacks have initial success, right? We've seen yeah. Tyrone Swoops, Gerard Hurd, David Ash, go down, go down the list. Hell, Sam Ellinger hit that wall. Shane Bouchelle hit that wall. When coaches start to get film on you and they figure out early on in your career where your deficiencies are, and the struggles start to happen, can you get over that hump? Can you clear that hurdle? Can you break through that wall? The good ones can. The really good ones can. And the great ones, not only do they break through that wall, they're miles from it by the time their careers are done. So that's kind of the Quinn. And this is this is more of this is kind of topic for later date. The Quinn Ewers trajectory, it reminds me a lot of the Chris Sims trajectory. Just thinking about how things were then and how they are now, just that's topic for another day. But that's that's kind of where I am on Quinn. Is is it reminds me a lot of a lot of the same things you're saying about Quinn Ewers right now in terms of the ceiling, the pedigree, et cetera, et cetera. The flashes you've seen a lot of it reminds me about what we saw from Chris Sims really after after that 2000 season, that first year where he he really got to play a lot because that 99 season doesn't really count too much. He was the number one quarterback in this class. Right? In, the, in the country, yeah. The ceiling is there. It's there. It's just, can he tap into it? And so, you know, we can sit here and talk about it, but, you know, 
I agree with the Specs text line. He's got to do it in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought he played excellent against Alabama. You know, what happens if he doesn't get injured in that game? You know, that's we can just, you know, all come up with theories, but until he does it for a full game, you know, yeah. I'm with I'm with Texas fans, and I think that week two matchup against Alabama at Brian Denny will be a huge litmus test to see where is Quinn Ewers at. Has he really progressed? Like, is all this talk about how he's matured and put more work in? Is that really the case? And we'll, we'll see this year because if Texas goes 12-1, and I think a big part of that is Quinn Ewers, right? And I think going into this next, you know, NFL draft class, you have you have Drake May, you have Caleb Williams. I think the three the number three quarterback spot is up for grabs. I think that can be yeah. Quinn Ewers if he has the year that he should have because remember what his ceiling was coming out of high school. If Quinn has the kind of year he's capable of having, and again, topic for another day, does he pass Drake May? So I, I think Caleb Williams is QB1 for the 24 draft. Yeah, no, without a cap. No he, question. He could not play a single snap this year. And, and this I is think. this is Andrew Luck. This is Trevor Lawrence. This is about as sure of a number one pick at that position as you're going to find. I, if, if Quinn hits his ceiling, I think it's it's logical, it's feasible that NFL GMs could take a look at him and Drake May side by side and say, you know what, I, I like that kid a little bit better. Yeah, it's all going to be beauty in the eye of the beholder. All right, Cam, we got uh, we got a couple more of these questions. Let's let's get to maybe one or two more, and then we'll save the the rest for the second hour. Well, uh, speaking of Quinn Ewers, so much of the buzz surrounding Texas is the development of Quinn. What is a reasonable level of growth for him this year? Given everything we said, the baseline, that consistency, that baseline he has as a player needs to rise where maybe you're not seeing, you're still getting the wow plays, but you're getting fewer of the good Lord, what was that kind of plays. Like you remember as good as he was against Oklahoma, you remember the interception he threw? Where it's Which like one? he tried to throw it out of bounds and he just chucked it up down mm-hmm. the sideline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude. Kind of floated in the air for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Throw that in the 10th row. Like, just, you know, that arm he's got. Like, and I, I hate it for Quinn, but like CB texting. By the way, CB, thank you for your contributions. I missed them while I was out. You. You talk about like the Manning Passing Academy and you see Quinn just like effortlessly throwing the ball 50, 60 yards down the field. It's like that Jeff George, Kyle Bowler, Jamarcus Russell stuff where it's like, okay, you saw Anthony Richardson, the same thing with his draft. You're like, how does that relate to what you're actually going to do in a game? Yeah, I think some of that stuff gets – Quinn gets – not he that not that he does it, but I think on the – us and Gen Pop, us from the outside looking in, we get caught up in just the arm, just the wow factor with his arm. Well, dude, if you got that arm, use it. Like, if it's a bad play, just eat it. Just throw it in the 10th row. Just chunk it as far as you can. Don't, you know, don't kind of be that Mac Brown line, man. You can't be a little bit pregnant. If you make that decision that the play's not there, then really make sure the play's not there and that nothing's bad, nothing bad is going to happen. Live to fight another down. So fewer of the what-the-heck-was-that plays. He's still going to have some of them because he's still a developing quarterback. But, look, again, the really good ones we've seen come through this program go back to really started with – and even Chris Sims did this. Go, go, go look at Chris Sims in 2001 and Chris Sims in 2002. Fewer of the plays that just make you want to drink drain cleaner and the baseline consistency level got higher. Vince did the same thing. Colt did the same thing. Sam did the same thing. So if Quinn's going to get to anywhere close to his ceiling, he'll he'll show some of that. He'll show that growth this season. Let's let's get one more, Ken. We, we got time for one more. 
Texas is replacing one of the best running backs the last decade in B. John Robinson. Is this going to be a by-committee approach, and will someone emerge to take the lion's share of the carries at some point? I think if anybody's going to emerge as the lead dog in the pack, so to say, it's going to be Jonathan Brooks. Yeah. And that's nothing against C.J. Baxter or any of those other guys. I just think, you know, Brooks is going to get that opportunity. I think he's earned that opportunity. I think he deserves that opportunity. Yeah, I don't – I think Texas could still have a top 30-ish run game, top 35 run game in the country and not have a 1,000-yard back. I, I think it could be one of those deals. I think you could have a few different backs go for five, 600 yards. Yeah. Because Brooks is going to get – and if somebody does have a 1,000-yard season, I think it's Jonathan Brooks. I just don't – I think by the time you would – by the time you would need to give C.J. Baxter those kind of carries, Cam, I think you would be at the point in the season to where – You've already realized, okay, we're going away from Brooks. We're going to C.J. Baxter. But you've given it enough time. You've given Brooks ample opportunity to try to prove himself. But that said, I don't think the running game is going to be the focal point of this offense. I think it's going to be a complimentary piece because I think it's going to revolve around Quinn Ewers and this passing game, the talent and the depth you've got at the receiver position. And honestly, I think your game plan on a week-to-week basis, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian and I'm drawing it up, I've got to start with, how can I best utilize JT Sanders? That's where your game plan has to start to me because Bijan was your unicorn last year, right? It was like, okay, how, how many different ways can I get this guy the ball? How can I maximize his touches? How can I make sure he's making the biggest impact possible on the game? There was that TCU debacle, but that aside, everything else really worked out for Bijan last year. That's what I think you got to do with JT Sanders. I think you've got to look at where the matchups are for him, how do you get him involved, different ways to use him. I think it revolves around JT Sanders. So the running game will always be a part of Sark's offense because Sark wants to play with a physical edge. You want to get the RPO game involved. You want to get your play-action game going. All the stuff that makes Sark's offense work hinges on having a running game that's at the very least competent. I just don't think it's going to be the type of featured piece it's been the last two years. Yeah, a lot of times last year, Zark had to rely on B. John Robinson to carry them the win, right? The Baylor game, Texas does not win that game without B. John Robinson. And even parts of it, Roshan Johnson just literally willing Texas to win that game. Going into this season, Zark likes to put the ball in his best playmakers. Mm-hmm. And you can make an argument that the best playmakers are not in the in the backfield right now, You're, you just mentioned J.T. Sanders, Worthy, Isaiah Nair. There's a lot of guys who are coming back, and if they can stay healthy, the Texas will have a much bigger dynamic than it was last year, where it was like, okay, we have Worthy. We actually, by the way, he's not even 100 percent the entire year. Right. We have Sanders. Our receiver depth has been depleted. We only, the only option right now is to give the ball to number five. This year, <laughs> did you ever see the first scary movie, Cam? From back in the day? Oh, it's been a while. Or no, this was Scary Movie 2, actually. Never saw the second. Where Chris Elliott was the, uh, he was the butler, and he had a strong hand. Okay. Take my strong hand. That's basically, basically, X was playing with a strong hand, like the the last four or five games of the year. And usually, if you're playing wide receiver, you want to have both hands healthy, I think. That's uh, I, it's, I, okay. Ideally, that's, you know, you, you'd, you'd like to think so. Two, two, two hands are better than one. But I, going back to the running backs, I think it's going to be a big year for Jonathan Brooks. I know he was not healthy in that Washington game. But also at the same time, you know, we, we saw Sark kind of divvy up the carries right with Bijan and Roshan last year. I think it's going to be the same way with Baxter, even Jaden Blue. I think Sark's going to take his time to kind of really fill his way out with his running back position. But also that position 
has a lot of depth and a lot of talent. So I don't think it's going to be a one-man horse type of season for any any of those guys. Sark will be the first to tell you he's always had that workhorse back. Yeah, he has. Always had someone over 1,000 yards. But if he doesn't, this will be the year. And I don't think it'll be – if he doesn't, it's not. I don't think it's going to be that big of a hindrance on offense. But I, I do think he's going to give Jonathan Brooks that chance because like what you're talking about, Cam, I like to look at your offense in terms of proven commodities, right? And when I'm running down the list of proven commodities – off the top of my head, I can think of three guys in a pass game before I get to even exactly. thinking about a running back. And really, if you look at A.D. Mitchell has skins on the wall, you can look at your proven commodities and say, however you want to rank them, J.T. Sanders, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell. That's four receive, wide receivers slash tight ends before you even think about mm-hmm. where the where a running back would rank in terms of the proven commodities on offense. I do. I am interested, though, that Keelan Robinson, Trey Weisner. I forgot he's even on the roster. Multi-purpose still. Yeah. back, kind of, kind of, kind of. If you think about what the the H position in the old Tom Herman offense, that hybrid position, that hybrid back. What, what kind of role is that guy going to play? Because we saw Keelan had. It's hard to have a a, a good, you know, a, a noteworthy year when the two guys in front of you make up the best backfield tandem in the country, and people can dispute that, but go look at the numbers. It's hard to argue against it. I mean, Keelan Robinson really developed into a reliable receiver, which I didn't think he could do to the extent that he did. So how that, that Keelan Robinson, Trey Wisner, that, 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 the dynamic of that position, if I can talk right today, how that plays out is really big. All right. And don't, don't put Keelan Robinson, don't run him in between the tackles like he did against Washington. Bad idea. So not, that's a dang, dang coaching mistake. It was not uh, not the best way to utilize Keelan Robinson. Better way Sark utilized him last year. The bowl game was not one of them. All right, we'll take a break, come back. Inconceivable. We'll get it. Yeah, and somebody else mentioned on the Tux line, Savion Red. We didn't even mention Savion Red. Yeah. So he's part of that hybrid mix too. He could also – Savion Red, much better option to run between the tackles and use a short yardage goal line than Keelan Robinson. Agree? I think there's – Multiple guys that you could argue that over Keelan Robinson, and no offense to Keelan Robinson, it's just not who his type of running back style is. If I'm if I'm picking a back to get the ball on goal to go short yardage situation, I'm getting to several guys in that room before deciding to let Keelan tote the rock in that situation. Like you said, Cam, just not conducive to his skill set. I do I do want Jaden Blue to do something big this year, just so I can see if Craig will say, "You're my boy, Blue." During a Jaden Blue touchdown call, you think it's probably on the table. You think you'd do it? Is there is there odds on that? Can we uh, look on Caesar Sportsbook to see if there's odds on Greg Way saying that? Or well, uh, we might get a pot going here at the station. See how many units can, can mm-hmm. move on some nuggies on a Craig Way Jaden Blue call. 